Good morning, thank you. A privilege to be here. It really is a privilege to be here. Gee, a long time since I've been in a, a cinema, to be honest. I think the last time I was in a cinema was when I came to this church. Mine, the time before that was maybe 1982 or something like that. No. <laughs> I'm giving away my age. Eh? <laughs> it's a privilege to be here. Thank you to James and Leah and the leadership for Michelle and I coming. Um, for those who haven't met us, you've met my wife, Michelle. <coughs> My name's Ken. We have three kids, as I said yesterday, two dogs, a cat, and yeah, so that's basically our life. And eight grandkids. Woo, I forgot the grandkids. Eight grandkids. And the one who gives me the hardest time out of all of that, I won't say. All right, so <laughs> it's the dogs. <laughs> okay. You know, the Bible tells, I just want to piggyback a little bit off what my wife said. When we offer a sacrifice of praise, it's a sacrifice. Because sometimes you don't feel like doing it. But those songs we sang, when you think that he conquered the death and the grave and sin and the powers of darkness, you get up and you start praising just for that fact alone. And that means you've got to use your hands, you've got to use your feet, you've got to use your mouth. And I encourage you to do that, honestly. And as Michelle said, at times it doesn't, whoa, it just feels, but stick with it. And as you do it, just think of the song we just sang. Things, an atmosphere is changed inside of you. That's what begins to happen. So I want to encourage you. The Bible says we live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith. Faith is the sense of the unseen. We have five physical senses. And those five physical senses contact us to the physical world. But faith contacts us to the unseen world. That's what faith does. The reality of what my eyes cannot see. Faith opens up the spirit realm to me because faith is a spiritual sense. You, you understand what I'm saying? And faith is so important. That's why the Bible describes faith. It's the one word that the Bible describes. And I'm going to read you a list of all that happens by faith. By faith we are healed. By faith we are delivered. By faith we are forgiven. We obey because of our faith. We are encouraged by faith. We live by faith. We are made righteous by faith. We are justified by faith. We receive the fulfillment of the promises of God by faith. We gain peace with God through faith. We gain access into grace by faith. Miracles are performed by faith. The promise of the Spirit is received by faith. We are sanctified by faith. We fight the good fight of faith. The Bible says the universe was formed by faith. Sacrifices were offered by faith. We, faith pleases God. People worked because of their faith. They moved cities because of faith. Children conceived by faith. Our future is blessed by faith. We worship because of our faith. People refused the limelight because of their faith. They denied pleasure because of their faith. They persevered because of their faith. The waters were parted by faith. The walls fell by faith. The prostitutes were saved by faith. Kingdoms were conquered by faith. Battles were won by faith. Justice was administrated by faith. Lines were quieted by faith. People walked through the fire by faith. And the dead are raised by faith. Faith is important. It's very important. And how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what God has to say. 
And so faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. That's what the Bible says. Because when Jesus speaks, it's living, it's alive, it's active, it's vital. And so faith comes. And when we get that inside of us, we begin to live from that place and not by the circumstances around us. That's what it means to live by faith. So the decisions I make and uh, what I do is motivated by what's real inside me, not what's happening out here. Hello? Am I speaking? It's very important to understand this. Hebrews 11, I encourage you to go read Hebrews 11 because it's all what happened by faith. The Bible says they persevered. Faith is always, always, always attaches itself to what God has said or promised or revealed. God starts the process. It's not me. God comes and starts and initiates, reveals something to you, says something to you, reveals something of who he is to you. Then he waits for our response. And he waits patiently and graciously. And as we respond, he responds. And so my ongoing life with God is he's continually initiating fresh insight and revelation to me, waiting for me to take hold of that and then begin to respond. And then he responds. It always starts by God. You don't have to... The best, you can't, don't pray for faith. Read the Bible and you'll get faith. Sorry, I don't mean to shout at you. I'm just trying to get it across. <laughs> there's an it in, in, inside you. There's a witness. There's an assurance. There's a confidence that grows and is established when this prevails over this. That's what begins to happen. And I find many Christians, they're well-meaning. Hear my heart. They love Jesus. And Jesus loves them. But they're not taking time to put this inside of them. And then consequently, their circumstances around them are dictating how they live. Rather than what's this is nyam, 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 nyam inside of them. Then you live by faith. So you live by what is unseen. Because you can't see the Lord. Why would I bring my wife to the nation of America with $100 in my back pocket? Because God spoke. Every circumstance told us, that is stupid. Hello? That's, so I'm encouraging you, folk. Let faith grab hold of you deep inside. Let faith be established inside of you. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that Moses, he persevered. He denied the pleasures. He, he didn't allow Pharaoh and Egypt to define who he was. That's what the Bible says. And even though he had went through hard times, the Bible says he saw him who is invisible, so he persevered. He saw him who is invisible. The Bible says, Jesus said, Abram saw my day. That's why he's called the father of faith. He made decisions from that place.
I'm encouraging you, don't allow the world system, the world values, to dictate who you are and the way you behave. I'm encouraging you strongly. Let the Lord determine that for you. Let the Lord determine that for you. And sometimes things don't go our way. And sometimes we have some answered, unanswered prayers. And sometimes life comes at you like a freight train. Trust me, I understand. And sometimes things are just not changing and we trust Him for them to change. Don't allow that to rob you of what God has said in your heart. There's a story, and it's going to come up on the back, and I'm going to turn to it. Two kings. Two kings. Two kings. And this wonderful story tells us what I'm trying to say. I've got to turn to it in my Bible so we can read it together. Two kings, chapter 5. Oh, come back, come back, come back. All right. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Now Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aaron had gone out and had ca taken captive a young Israelite girl, or a girl from Israel, from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master, that is the king of Aram, and he told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten shekels, ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, which is about 350 pounds of gold, ten sets of clothing. He obviously used a lot of clothes. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I'm sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. Then Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes. He sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah's house. Oh, sorry, Elisha's house. Elisha sent him a messenger to say, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over me or over the spot in Kirmah of leprosy. Are not Abner and Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the rivers of Israel? Can't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and he went away in a rage. Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much then more when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. 
and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know there's no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimon to bow down, and he's leaning on my arm, and I bow down there also. And when I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elisha said. This is an amazing story to me. A couple of months ago, I read the story and it gripped my heart. And you know when something grabs hold of you, you reread it and reread it and reread it. So I want to just tell you the context of this whole story. This happened about 850 BC. Jesus referred to the story in Luke chapter 4 when he said, Were there not many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet? Yet none of them were cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. So Jesus referred to this. The healing of Naaman from leprosy is an amazing story. It really is an amazing story. Elisha, you've got to understand, was the guy that took over from Elijah. And he asked God for a double portion or a double anointing. And he did exactly the double miracles that Elijah did. Exactly. So he got the double. Even on his death, when he died, when Elisha, when they buried Elisha, and his bones, it was just his bones in the grave. Somebody fell on his bones and died, and he came alive again. That was the last miracle. That equaled the exact number double. Because the anointing was on this man, tremendously on this man. So Naaman was a high-ranking military officer in the army of the king of Maron, who was now Syria. He was an enemy of Israel, understand that. But there was peace between these two countries at that particular point in time. Remember, Naaman was an, not an Israelite. He was not an heir of the, new, of the covenant of God made with Israel. So he could not, so he, he was regarded as an enemy of Israel. Yet the Bible says that the Lord, that is the God of Israel, gave Naaman the victory over Israel. God is overhead of all nations. Nothing happens without the Lord being aware of it. Nations rise and nations will fall. Never put your trust in that. Put your trust in the one who overwatches all the nations. He rules the nations and we see that God was at work in a surprising place. Aram, the God of Israel, at work in enemy territory, so-called. Naaman was a friend of the king, a man of standing, a wealthy man, but he had leprosy. So we see he has friendship with the king, but that could not heal him. We see he had social status, but that not could heal him. We see he had money, but that could not heal him. So he goes to the king and says, listen, this young Israelite girl told me there's a prophet in Israel, and that prophet, the God of that prophet, can heal me. 
So the king of Aram writes him a letter and gives it to Naaman, and Naaman goes off to the king of Israel and delivers the letter to the king of Israel. The king of Israel gets very upset because he says, who am I? I can't bring healing to this guy. And he tears his robes. And Elisha, the prophet, hears about it. But it's interesting that Naaman took so much gold. He took 750 pounds of gold, 150 pounds of silver, horses and chariots, and numerous amount of clothes. Because obviously he thought he's going to go buy his healing in some way. And then he's told, Elisha doesn't even, in a sense, have the courtesy to meet this man at the door. He just sends his servant to him. And he tells his servant, tell Naaman just to go dip in the Jordan seven times. Naaman's furious. This man didn't even come and greet me. He could have just waved his hand over me. And he didn't do that. He just sent his servant. So he walks away furious. But Naaman's servant comes to him and says, listen, if this guy told you to do something very difficult, you would have done it. This is very simple. Just go dip in the Jordan River seven times. And so for him to do that, he would have had to take off his clothes. He would have had to take off his army robe that signified who he was. And he dips in the Jordan the first time and comes out and nothing happens. Second time. Comes out and nothing happens. Third time, you get the story. And the seventh time, he goes down and comes up and he's cleansed. He's miraculously cleansed. But the surprising person in this whole story with these two nations and this very well-known general is a young little Israelite girl who is nameless in the Bible. The Bible says in verse chapter in 2 Kings 5, verse 2, Now bands from Aaron had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. She served Naaman's wife. And she said, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would be cured of his leprosy. This young girl had a testimony in her heart. This young girl had a knowing inside of her that the God of Israel could heal a master. She didn't allow the circumstances to dictate and deaden what God had put inside of her. Her circumstances. She was taken captive. She was taken from her family. But yet it didn't alter or dampen the testimony in her heart. She did not feel sorry for herself. Woe is me. She had the testimony in her heart. She had not taken offense against her mistress or her master for the situation. She didn't blame them. She wasn't angry at them. In actual fact, she had a very good relationship with her mistress because she had the freedom to go talk to her about her husband. She was not bitter. She actually had compassion she said, I want my master to get well. And so she was a person that was very submissive. She had integrity of heart. She had developed a relationship, as I said, and it reflected the integrity and the credibility. She is nameless. She's a young girl from Israel. Nameless. We don't know who she is. But she is the one that is pivotal in this whole story. 
The Bible says, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Peacemakers are people who lead people to Jesus to restore peace back in their life. And she was a peacemaker. She was the least likely person to be a person of influence. In those days, women had no significance in some degree. And she was a young girl. She was not the who's who of society. Her name does not appear in the society news of the day. She had no references. She had no pedigree. She had no Facebook. She had no TikTok for today's. She had none of that. But she had faith in her heart. She had a testimony inside of her. But what she does have is a testimony to the grace and the power of God. She has a knowing that the God of Elisha can heal and set free and change a life and circumstances and a situation. That's what she knows. Folk, let me encourage you. Your testimony can reach places and people that you have no idea about. God, your testimony. God, what God has put inside you. God, what God has revealed to you. Don't allow circumstances or even things that you still struggle with to dilute, to dampen what is real inside your heart. I encourage you. Don't allow bitterness. Don't allow offense to distract you, to blunt your testimony. When we take an offense, we get trapped in the past. It traps us there over that situation or circumstance. That's where we live. That's where we stay. Don't allow that to distract what God has put in your heart. We don't need positions in society. We don't need references to allow your testimony to go forth when the opportunity comes. God will be at work in unknown places that you have no idea about. Michelle and I went to South Africa last year, September. Forgive me, I've got to get the water. I'm back. All right, sorry. <laughs> just teasing. I'm just having fun. <laughs> I'm just having fun. Michelle and I had the privilege last year to go and see her father who had a brain tumor. Some of you know the story, and he passed away from it. But while we were there, we were asked to minister at a church that we had been part of like 20 years ago. And when we were part of this church, there was a couple. His name was Philip and her name was Althea. They came forward one day for healing. They both had cancer. And I had the privilege of praying for them, and God healed them from cancer. So this man, this man Philip, he just thought I walked on water, which obviously I don't in any form or any shape. But he had some sense of a faith had been deposited in him. His wife then died a couple of years ago. He's now a man of 86 years old. And when he found out that we were coming to South Africa to come and minister, he doesn't actually go to that church. He goes to another church. He went around to some of his friends and he said, come, you've got to come with me to church on Sunday. You've got to come with me to church on Sunday. And he, get, he got hold of a lady that had terminal cancer. She was bedridden, and he helped her 
to come to the church on Sunday. I had no idea of this. So they had two services in the morning, one at 8.30, excuse me, one at 10.30, and he came to the morning service. And at the end of the service, I saw him. I said, oh, hello, Philip, great to see you. And I walked down, I went to greet him, and I just wanted to pray a blessing over him. And when I'd finished praying for him, he turned to me and he said, would you pray for my friend Kathy? So I said, sure, I'll pray for your friend. I said, Kathy, how can we pray for you? She said, well, I have cancer. So I laid my hands on her and I started to pray for her. And as I started to pray for her, she started to heave. Going, <gasps> so I knew what I was dealing with. I knew it was some demonic element attached to this. So I prayed differently and I spent some time with her. And the power of God came upon her. She started to shake quite violently. She fell on the floor. And she shook under the power of God. And then I had to go because we had to preach in the second service. So they gently helped her out. And then we preached in the second service. That was on Sunday. Michelle's dad had died on the Friday. We preached that Sunday. Thursday at a memorial service, I had to do the service. And this lady was at the memorial service. And she came to Michelle and she said, I'm healed. She used to be a dancer. She said, I got up out of my bed. I haven't been back. All my pain is gone. And all I want to do is dance and dance and dance and dance and dance. So then a little while later, I got a, 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 a message from the pastor of that church. There it is Yeah, I'm going to read it out to you. And it's from Philip, this old man of 86. Well, I shouldn't say old because I'm getting close down there one of these days. This man, this young man of 86. <laughs> Good word, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Call things that are not as though they are, you see. That's what the Bible says. Young man of 86. But he had a testament in his heart, people. He had a testament in his heart of what God could do through someone. You remember Kathy Chetty? She was with me at the church Sunday that Ken Grenfell preached. You may remember after the message, Ken requested that I come to the front for prayer, and Kathy accompanied me. After praying for me, he prayed for Kathy as she had been riddled with cancer. Most of her insides had been removed. She has only half a colon. She manifested while we prayed for. She had scans at the end of last week. Today I took her to the oncologist to get the report. He told her to stop all chemotherapy and treatment because he could not find any cancer whatsoever. <laughs> She's healed. That 86-year-old man, who you don't even know, is like this young Israelite girl. People, you have a testament in your heart. You don't need social position. You don't need influence in any way. Just be ready to share your testimony when the opportunity arrives. You have no idea what God will do with that. Don't allow somebody to rob it from you. Don't allow circumstances to rob it from you. I had the privilege of praying for that person, that lady, but it was the 86-year-old man's faith that did it. That's where it came from. Naaman was healed because a nameless young Israelite girl 
That's where it came from. I'm encouraging you. There's a lot of people in this. Imagine how many testimonies are rooted in your hearts. Nobody could ever rob the fact of a, that I know in my heart I'm a child of God. Nothing can take that away from me. Please, when COVID hit and we all had to wear masks, like the devil wanted to shut our mouth so we couldn't speak out anymore. You know that the year 2020 in the Hebrew calendar was the year of the mouth. Everyone has to do that. I understand we've got to be wise. I understand that. But it felt for me like the church went a step back. Speak your testimony. Declare your testimony. Guard it. Let the Lord continue to pour water on it. And he will give you another testimony. And another testimony. Because it's by faith that we live. It's by faith that we live. It's not by our circumstances. If you feel God has spoken you to, to you today, I want you to stand where you are, please. If you feel God stirred something in your heart, don't be afraid. Don't worry about the person next to you. They're not going, they can't help you in any way whatsoever. Trust me. They can love on you and comfort you, but they can't change what's inside. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your precious sons and daughters. I thank you. I thank you for your testimony in your sons and daughters' hearts. And I declare the work of darkness will not distinguish that light, will not distinguish that testimony that you have placed in the hearts of your sons and daughters. I ask you to blow afresh. Lord, blow some of the dust off where it is settled. Let the people be reminded of what took place when that testimony happened of how they felt, the emotion that went through their body, the excitement that there was. Lord, come and blow fresh on your people. You can just as you stand, under your breath, just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for the testimony in my heart. Thank you for putting this in my heart. Thank you for the realness of it. That's it. I just give him a little bit of time to seal the word in your side of you. That's it. There you are. That's it. That's his presence. Thank you. Thank you. Please remain standing. If you are here and you're struggling with nightmares, night terrors, won't you stand as well, please? If you're already standing, just put your hand up, please. You have nightmares. Bless you. 
Father, I believe you spoke to me about this. So I speak to these nightmares and I say you will stop. The terror at night will cease in the name of Jesus. Your word says that you grant us sleep. So I say nightmares in the name of Jesus, you will cease. You will cease in the name of Jesus.